0: Welcome to the Green Majority on CIUT 89.5 FM or on one of our much appreciated radio syndicate partners across this
1: land, land, we, land. we call Canada.
0: The land that we must call Canada or on the podcast at greenmajority.ca. I'm David Hostetter, Sarah and Kayster in the booth, and we have Stefan Hostetter as well. How are you doing? We're all doing very well. Oh, great. Yes. All right. And unfortunately, Lauren Latour cannot uh, join us today, because she is attending a solidarity rally in support of the protectors of unceded Wet'suwet'en land in northern BC, who have been in opposition to TC Energy's natural gas pipeline being built through their territory uh, with militarized backing from the RCMP. Uh, Let us be reminded that uh, that Canada's own laws recognize that this is their land, and they are not Canadian, but we're not being honest about that contradiction. Thus, continuing actions have been going on throughout the week, with students walking out of class in Vancouver, rail lines being disrupted in Burlington, three young people arrested for shutting down the B.C. Attorney General's office, two dozen people shutting down the port of Vancouver, protesters blockading the work site for T.C. Energy's Line 3 in Minnesota, and people in Guelph shutting down a branch of the Royal Bank of Canada in protest of their funding of the pipeline. An Unistoten Solidarity Brigade email reads, quote, This week has been beautiful, with an outpouring of solidarity for the Wet'suwet'en struggle. Every day that the company is out of the territory is a victory, and keeping this front and center in the public eye is forcing the public to reckon with ongoing settler colonialism in so-called Canada. Now I'll read some quotes from three of the young protectors uh, from a video released on Facebook. They're talking about some of the defenses they've tried to set up on the roads, how media outlets have interpreted the standoff, and the community work that Frida Hewson and others have been doing there since 2010. Speaking from the Dan checkpoint, Eve Saint of the Wet'suwet'en said, I would say that for people who believe in the RCMP, it's different for indigenous people. They are invaders to our lands and to our homes, and they have always been violent. These systems were built to take and oppress indigenous people. Carla Tate of the Wet'suwet'en said, quote, The media are spinning and focusing on us being violent, based on fallen trees versus the very real and lethal violence that the police brought in last year against our unarmed women and elders, proves that Canada is willing to go to any lengths to sell their story and to justify the continued repression and removal of our people. It's just completely illogical that fallen trees to slow the advancement of militarized police who have assault rifles could even be considered a fair comparison. Anne Spice of the Tlingit said, quote, The RCMP was originally set up as the Northwest Police in order to contain and oppress indigenous people, to remove people to reservations, uh, to make sure that access was granted to white settlers and industry and not to communities. So that's the legacy of that organization, and it's no different today. I think about how quick people are to cast indigenous land defenses violent when we have no intention to harm any people. The whole point of being out here is to keep the land from being harmed. If they destroy that river and destroy the salmon, that's violence. When they bulldoze through an area with cultural artifacts, bulldoze through areas that are for berry picking or hunting, displace all the moose, displace all the grizzly bears, that's violence. Trees on the road are not violence. I think about over the past 10 years, what Frida has done out in the Unistoten village and the healing center there, about how much healthier that territory has become in the last 10 years. All the moose were in really low numbers until they started controlling access to that territory, and the moose populations returned. And with this industrial invasion over the past year, it's been really hard on the animals in the land already. We're trying to heal each other from the toxic legacy of colonialism
1: yeah and so I, I want to there's two points in the, the end there that I saw, that I want us to pull out from and, and one of them it relates back to a conversation we began last week, uh, sort of a, which was about how the NDP in BC has sort of failed to really uh, re, to, to really bring the imaginative change uh, that uh, you know that was hoped hmm. that could
0: be there. the new Democratic Party in power in BC exactly. eventually
1: exactly. Uh, well, you know, I guess they're still propped up by the Greens. So I guess it's a little bit, mm. but, with, but they, they have the majority of it. And, and I, and I think it, it starts with sort of this, this, these, these pieces that were highlighted there about the fact that we don't recognize harm, um, that is done, uh, indirectly more often than not. Um, and it, I would, you can go further. We, we don't recognize harm that is done, uh, outside of our sites basically, But but especially indirectly, like especially the fact that, you know, the amount of which we are we as a society uh, are willing to accept um, indirect harm, you know, whether or not it's you know, whether it's the the fact that, you know, like people will like the the fact that we have not as a society globally had a real famine um, in in like a famine that is actually caused by lack of food in something like 20 or 30 years. And every famine that has occurred has been an economic famine. Which basically means that people can't afford food. It, it speaks, I think, a little bit to this this concept that we are more than willing to enact violence in systemic ways, all of the time, everywhere, um, and 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 our 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 and, our, and our, our lives, I think, are in some ways per, are are built on so much of this. And it's a, it's a point you have made previously when talking about, say, the fashion industry uh, and how much uh, you know and how and how really destructive that is, and and how much fast fashion is leading to sort of you know the, the the amount of workers who are you know being paid cents on the dollar to do this kind of thing, and 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 all that. But I think there's like a we ha, we we have a very use, so humans are, are pretty consistently good looking back at societies and be like, man, what a weird, that, that was bad that they did those things back then. But very, and, and often you get these questions like, how could they accept that this was a society they lived in? How are they, you know, this whole question about how, you know, how people could live through the, you know, how, how Germans could exist during the Holocaust and keep doing their daily jobs, sort of brought out this concept of the banality of evil. And, and I think that we can, th- that concept can be extended pretty far here in that like, you know when we look back at societies in a historical fashion we can see these things like man kings ruled so much land and they were accepted that they could do that how 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 unreasonable how undemocratic and yet you know we can live in a world where 20% of america has 86% of the wealth then that's 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 a reality 20 the highest 20% of america has 86% of the wealth 80% of, the, of and, and that is an is that and that is like the oligarchy that exists within the global oligarchy where most americans are still richer than everybody else. This week i learned that only about 5 to 10% of people and humanity f- will fly even once a year.
2: Mm.
1: And and yet that that small percentage equates for 2.5% of global emissions. And, and and of course, and even within that, you know, you do one long, you do one round trip flight. Uh, you know, that might that, that that might feel sort of like a relatively normal thing to do in, in you know in our in our Western society, and that but that still puts you above the average, obviously. But then there's the people who are flying, you know. But then there's like again, there's just, once again, there's this one percent of people who are flying daily, weekly, and and the fact that emissions have rose from flight in the last, in the, in the last, in the, you know, over the last 10 years is an example of sort of how pervasive that particular, um, uh, fossil fuel problem is mm-hmm. and it speak, but it speaks to the sort of fact that we are, we are more than willing to consistently, you know, ignore violence that we can externalize in some way. Um, and. And, 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 and the, and the and we're able to do that, I think, in part because of the stories that were told and the history that were told. You know, the ways that reality, that we sort of can see the, uh, the world as a snapshot without sort of looking back at the history of how the world got there. And, and therefore it can sort of make it seem like these systems were not built. these systems were not planned. You know in the in, the, in some of the quotes you mentioned, they mentioned the fact that you know the RCMPs was built originally. You know, to uh, to enforce, you know, to push indigenous people into off their land. That was why it began, Mm -hmm. and and the fact that and and so when you when you fast forward one hundred and fifty years, and they are still doing that. That's not an aberration. That is who we are. Like that is the history of this organization, Mm -hmm. Um, and and this and this sort of permeates all over. There was a book uh, put out a
0: few years ago by an academic named Elizabeth K. Minich, or Elizabeth K. Minich, who was an understudy of Hannah Arendt, who uh, authored the banality the uh, banality of evil, and she turned it on its head and wrote the evil of banality. And mm. her point is that it's the habitual, cliched moral ideas that we tell ourselves every day that uh, allow for these systems of violence to be pushed underneath. Our common consideration,
1: right? Yeah. Well, and I and I think and I think that there's this question so commonly of like, you know, what would you be doing if you were alive during some of these atrocities? And then and then there then you then you learn about something that's going on right now, and you're like, you are.
0: Yeah, you'd be feeding your children.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like there's I was for part of this I looked into sort of the fact that over the last little bit in the states, while, while while crime has fallen, jail populations have actually increased. And this, at least in part due to the fact that private prisons have requirements written into their contracts to stay full. So states are required to fill private prisons by 96% or higher. And they're required, that's part of the contract they've signed, to literally incarcerate people for the, because they've told the private prison companies that they will incarcerate people. And then these private prisons turn around and use this population, which they have mandated by contractual law, that they have to be there to make stuff for cents on the dollar. And, the, and some of these jails are built exactly where plantations used to be. And it's this kind of thing that is like, you know, I think it's James Baldwin who, who made a comment that, that white America doesn't know the history of America mm. or doesn't know their own history. And it's, 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 it's when you start beginning to track these historical lines forward um, and begin to f- – when these become the stories you actually think about, you know, versus the fact that, you know, what was the, what was the history lessons that we received? You know, my grade – Jacques my, our, Cartier. Exactly. Our grade, our, grade, our grade seven and eight uh, history lessons are all about the great explorers of the world. Well,
0: and the wonderful accomplishments of Canada in World War I.
1: Yes, right. Um and and a little bit in World War two. and and this and, and this, it, it, and yet, so the story is entirely of this championly nation building uh, deeply, deeply, deeply cl- colonial nation. and And then, you wonder why, at age twenty five or age thirty, we get a society that is okay with the RCMP's continued history of doing this? Or, or, and, and again, part of this goes back to the fact that this is by design and and all of this goes to and then why I'm sort of mentioning all of this as is connected is because of the fact that once we allow ourselves to understand how far back these roots go and how far back so many of these things are interconnected you know we, you and you can and you can stretch this out you can stretch this out to the fact that you know that as we've as 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 we've Moved the difficulty and the and the unpleasantness of fashion uh, construct uh, labor offshores. Uh, we have we have begun. There are now new colonial you know spaces that are literally there are like there are are free trade quote unquote places that are that are planted in island nations that are that are exempt from the rules of that nation because they are just where people go and work on garments. And they mm. get sent places, mm. and, and and all of this is it, it because and all of this is again is to try to find ways to cheaply supply the you know other nations who have a historical presence of oppression uh, with these cheap goods that we keep using, and and then and then we have the audacity. Uh, at this point in time, to turn around and say that the problem with climate change is that you know China is trying to is, is trying to build out you know is trying to build out a middle class, or that India is not doing enough and is relying too much on coal, mm. or, uh, uh, despite the fact that there's like that we built this, <laughs> like and and again so and the the tie in here to to sort of bring it back up and, and and sort of move us towards a music break in a second is that the the fact that these are all linked and the fact that these have such deep roots is why the trimming of the edges just can't work as a as as a societal change plan for this problem. You know, the idea that you can go in uh, as you know as 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 Horgan has in the NDP in Alberta and be like, look, we're gonna we're going to we're gonna pass undrip, but we're still going to we're still going to move forward with with the LNG gas pipeline. You know, we're going we're 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 going we're going to continue, We're going to provide more, you know, some more, more some more help in some ways. But we're also, you know, going to we're still going to allow ourselves to exist in the paradigm that is before. And it's that paradigm that is the is the that is the thing that is holding us and cementing us in place. Mm. And and to me, that is the question that and the, what we actually have to do something about. Is, is that it is this, the paradigm of the stories we're telling ourselves and the idea of a good life that exists entirely on the backs of others that, that must be addressed um, in, a, in, a, in a truly holistic fashion.
0: Yes, we have the inertia of uh, an historically determined ingrained thought that we can't break out of if we remain prosaic and banal and remain in our common habits.
1: Yeah. And I think I think I think there's a little bit of we've we've got to a point where we've sort of people have sort of begun to poo poo the concept of unlearning as being, you know, as, as because it's sort of, you know, too quote unquote woke or whatever. Um, but but I think there is a I think it's a very useful term because I do think that there is so much that we have learned and been taught, especially at ages when we accept what we are told pretty, you know, generally because that is, you know, I can't go outside right now because it's not recess. And the teacher says that Jacques Cartier was a, was a great man. And so both those, I can't go outside in recess. So Jacques Cartier must've been a great man. Mm. Um, and, and that fact that we've allowed ourselves that you have to actually do work to begin to, to remove those really deep down ingrained thoughts. Um, and, and, and so I think that like there is that is real work and, I, and I, it's a shame that that sort of that concept has been sort of, I think thrown out of vogue a little bit, but it remains actually, I think, primarily important, especially if we're going to actually get to transformative change that we actually need. Mm. Um, so I'm going to go to a qu- quick minute. Just, gentlemen.
2: Uh, just well, on, on on that, there's two things that like pieces of evidence that just bolster your case that I think were, were important, which is that you were talking about the American system there for a second. But um, using it just as the example, uh, you know, within a system like uh, things happen within a system that are obviously predictable, but yet people act and vote for some somehow as if this isn't true, and yet when it, then it happens, and we're like, well, obviously that would happen. Two examples based on what you were just saying. One of them was that the prison system in the U.S., the private prisons, two years ago, I believe two and a half years ago, there was a judge who was arrested because he was being bribed by the CEO or whoever, I don't know exactly who it was, but he was being bribed by the pri- private prison to fill them. And on top of that, Surprise, surprise! It was like 85% young black men who went to jail. Second thing, uh, there are a number of states in the U.S. Many of them, you lose some degree of voting rights when you have a criminal record. In some states, you lose all voting rights. You essentially cease to be a citizen in in sort of citizen in name only. Uh, once you do that, uh, it is a very real fact of which there are cases that can be pointed to. I don't have them handy, but there uh, there are specific cases that we're talking about here, where not just like. I, this is still terrible, but not just like I said, an inappropriate joke racist, but full on card carrying Nazi members are part of have infiltrated police forces and are going around finding any excuse to arrest black men, not just to mess with them or to make their lives miserable because it disempowers them permanently in that state. So just white people we are talking about sort of the ignorance and not knowing your own history. The, those of us who don't suffer those things. Need to be aware of the fact that other people do. This is the actual reality of the world that we live in, and if you're not experiencing, that's because you have privilege, not because they're not happening.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. So I, oh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna top that. So uh, go to. Let's go to a music break. We're coming back uh, to talk about the UK citizens assemblies that they're trying. Don't get too excited. They are not exactly what the rebellion asked for, but they are interesting nonetheless. Uh, and then a EU green plan, and then Trump, Greta, and activism in the second half or second middle break. Let's go. You better laugh.
0: The Green Majority is entirely listener supported. Our goal to reach minimum solvency is to raise $300 a month. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com for as little as $1. Welcome back to The Green Majority on CIUT 89.5 FM.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. Just really quickly, because I forgot to say at the beginning. Uh, uh, Both songs today will be by uh, Crystal Shawanda. That was my roots are showing. Excuse me. Back to you, Dave.
0: Thank you very much. And uh, now we will turn to the UK Citizens Assembly that has convened. So the United Kingdom uh, convened the first meeting of its Citizens Assembly to address climate change last weekend the 24th through the 26th of January, with three more weekends of meetings scheduled for the beginning and the end of February, and then another one towards the end of March, so they can publish their report in April. The Assembly is meant to advise the UK government on how to reach its official goal of net zero emissions by 2050. The Assembly does have the structure we discussed in depth on a previous episode called Citizens' Assemblies and Labour Movements, in that it randomly selected citizens to be educated by relevant experts about the climate crisis, after which they will deliberate with each other and present recommendations to the government that will influence its official strategy. The Assembly will be able to recommend whatever they choose, but their recommendations will not have any legally binding effect, so the government will be technically free to reject all of them. As Rob Merrick points out for The Independent, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson boycotted the Channel 4 climate debate during last year's election campaign. He also said, however, that he wants to make the UK the greenest country on Earth. The process was done by government computers sending out 30,000 invites and then whittling them down to 1,800 responses uh, that they received, uh, whittling down down those responses to 110 official members meant to represent a cross-section of British society. Uh, 18 of these people are ethnic minorities, 22 are from rural areas, 25 are between the ages of 16 and 29, and 41 of them have no college education. As Emily Beemont tells us for The Ecologist, three of them are not at all concerned about climate change, 16 are not very concerned, 34 are fairly concerned, 54 are very concerned, and one doesn't know. Beemont quotes one of the runners of the assembly, Sarah Allen as arguing that skeptics have to be involved because they're going to be affected by the steps the government takes to get to net zero by 2052, and they shouldn't have their voice denied in that. It will cost uh, 50 uh, £520,000 and is being funded by the research budgets of various select government committees on climate change, as well as the Esme Fairburn Foundation and the European Climate Foundation, which were given no control over the proceedings. Jessica Murray writing for The Guardian quotes Green MP Caroline Lucas as saying that it's important that politics is done with people, not to them, conjuring the specter of the gilets jaunes in Paris as representative of what could happen if policies are imposed on people rather than deliberated upon with them. The Assembly website decided to highlight the following four questions to illustrate what was posed by Assembly members to experts on the first weekend. These were which is better for the environment, British beef or an avocado from Peru? How committed are other countries to net zero? What do you think should be the balance of business and government action on climate change? And is there an argument for letting climate change happen? The Guardian highlighted the question, how can we ensure the costs of changes don't affect poor people disproportionately? The Assembly is not really comparable to the one being demanded by Extinction Rebellion, which would be convened with a mandate of figuring out how to halt biodiversity loss and reduce emissions to net zero by 2025, rather than 2050, and would be much more comprehensive in terms of membership and scope, lasting for much longer and holding different panels on food security, housing, transport, and so on, with a specific focus on social justice. And their recommendations would be legally binding if they received 80% support amongst assembly members.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm going to hold off uh, on on commenting too much on on actually what they're what they are going to decide here because uh, they've just begun mm-hmm. uh, I, interesting set of questions I think that sort of implies that there shows the wide range if you go from anywhere between the most useful question which is how can we ensure the cost of cha- of changes don't affect poor people disproportionately which is in really the central question in my position about what you know what the the fight for a green New deal matters and why it's going mm-hmm. uh, all the way to is there an argument for letting climate change happen is about that's about as wide of a range as you're probably going to get, I think, in this concept. Um, and, so, and so you know, I think that at least implies it's a, it's a decent uh, assortment uh, or range of people.
0: Well, one can assume the questions will become more specific as well.
1: You you would hope so. Uh, if they keep asking, is there an argument for climate change to happen? I think we're probably screwed. But um, but what I will just say very quickly is is that I I think there's always a value to have a healthy dose of skepticism on anything that Boris Johnson is involved in. Um, you know he has he has led a it, basically what's interesting is is, is that the policies that they've sort of moved forward have been. At, I, I, the kind that actually has—he's basically moved forward a a socially uh, conservative. So he's been put—he's—he's—he's he's, he's putting on, you know, basically some some fairly you know immigration type Trump type immigration responses, uh, and 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 sort of tam- and pushing back on a lot of sort of you know social issues. You know, these are—he's you know—he's basically making it harder to be you know minority and uh, or you know he's he's doing a bunch of bad things, um, while also. Um, you know, increasing money, doing a massive infrastructure spend, and and mm-hmm. and, and, and actually and and throwing money into the into the system. So he's 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 running what is is, is actually a very a, a different tact than than Western nations have seen in a bit. Uh, of of of, of a, basically a socially conservative and economically liberal uh, position, which has been.
2: He's trying to see if he can get away with Trump's proposal, but with a little bit of a bribe on top.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and like someone actually, there was a the comment. What if I'm
2: just slightly less terrible in public and I slide you twenty bucks?
1: <laughs> the, the, the comment from actually, I think it was Jeet here on Twitter about this about about what he's doing is basically like this is what Bannon actually wanted to do, but the Republicans were too were were too, were, were didn't. Didn't have any vision, and Trump was too lazy to actually do it. Was his sort of his sort of reading of it? There um, wasn't
2: enough in it for him personally.
1: Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He he wasn't bribable enough. He needed the bribe. That was the problem. He can't bribe the the people. He needed the bribe.
2: I've got a meeting with uh, uh, the the Saudi prince. I don't got time for this meeting. Yeah,
1: yeah, like man, there's a there's a story out there that everyone should read this very quickly off the top, and we'll, go, we'll move on about uh, a Trump hotel switching its costs for one night to over six thousand uh, dollars and no one really knew why, and then they had to dig into why. And it's, just, it's, it's, it's it's a picture of corruption. Anyways, let's move on to the EU
0: Green Deal. So, as um, we will remember, the uh, European Union presented uh, an environment plan in December called a Green Deal for Europe, also foregoing car- carbon neutral by uh, 2050, with 50 policies coming out over the coming three years, with an early goal of cutting its emissions in half by 2030 – spending 300 billion euros to help poorer EU countries move on from fossil fuels, imposing taxes on imported goods from countries with bad climate plans, uh, which will protect their own businesses from the increased costs of adhering to their climate policies, and trying to implement an EU-wide tax on flying and jet fuel, which will be very difficult because it will interfere with those uh, countries' taxation rights. But uh, Mirin Khan, writing for the Financial Times, quotes European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen as saying, quote, the Green, new de- the green Deal is Europe's man-on-the-moon moment. Our goal is to reconcile the economy with our planet. The old growth model is that it's based on, foss- that is based on fossil fuels and pollution is out of date and out of touch with our planet. It will be a long and bumpy road, but we are determined to succeed. Kahn also quotes Franziska Achterberg of Greenpeace as saying that it's too little, too late. EU member states uh, recently failed to agree on rules for sustainable finance because France, the UK, and many Eastern states were pro-nuclear, while other states like the Netherlands refused to accept it as a viable source of sustainable energy.
1: Yeah. So uh, there's only there's one little thing I want to I want to. Talk about here, Um, but because it's both, it it can get missed. But I think really could end up being the most important part, which is uh, you know, because in a one trillion dollar plan, which is how much this this plan is, uh, you can miss a lot. Like it's huge. It's dollar or euro? Euro. Mm. So it's even more. Um, But uh, but which is this? Which is the concept of a carbon border tax? Um, and now, the court. If you apparently get technical, uh, they're calling it a carbon border adjustment mechanism uh, mm. because apparently you just cannot say the word tax anywhere in the world, or else you're, you're, you're suddenly off.
2: Taxes it. are something liberals do only.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so adjustment mechanisms apparently are totally fine, mm-hmm. and, and but the but the what's important about it is that it a with the why it exists is that if you're going to have a, a price on carbon internally into your in, in 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 internally in your in your i was going to say country but i guess the, the eu is a group of nations if you're going to do that you you need to that that will raise prices on on the manufacturers so you had the only way to protect them from basically them people buying stuff from outside of it is to actually make people who are sending stuff into your country also pay for the carbon that they that those things have created mm-hmm. um and so and but what's interesting about it is a uh, often actually that you have a little more that the ability to negotiate trade legislation legis- specifically sits usually at a higher level um you know that like, that trump's uh, you know that, that, that let's say trump's um uh, US MCA which we'll be covering later uh, you know that that was largely negotiated in the in the a uh, pie and that has to still pass the congress and I bu- must I presume that's what consent, can but the, but it's sort of the, the there's a little more power concentrated in other places and 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 so and have different regulations involved and also can be done at a nationwide scale rather than it requiring individually like, so for example this is something that Canada could do because the Canadian government could if they wanted to enforce a trade deal that required this to exist in a way that in a way that Canada the, doesn't have a lot of other mechanisms that it can do to, to fight climate change because of the fact that so much power holds in the provinces. Um, but what's important is that really if the EU uh, if the EU does this and holds to it and, you know, and the states in China gets on board. The rest of the world was sort of—it's—it's it's a way to sort of to push the rest of the world much more quickly into a full price on carbon, because if you as if you know it, it'd be a way for like if if the United States decided to do this, um, and and that anything going in there came, had to meet their price on carbon, it would it would strongly incentivize. Uh, anyone who's putting things in to do their own internal work to make that already match, and then to come up with a new you know, a new great trade agreement that would allow them to avoid that by having their own internal price on carbon. Mm-hmm. You know, and similarly, how it a, it would be a, it'd be a trade market version way of doing basically what the Trudeau government has done to provinces in Canada, which is saying put a price on carbon, or we're going to do it for you. Um, but doing that in a market sense of like put a price on carbon, or our, or, or we will when your goods enter our country, and the, and then that's and then the, the question is who gets the money, right? Either we, either you're, you're allowing the the you know the the, the the EU to take the money, or you could use it to sort of push other nations to do it and take the money themselves, and it would actually it, it would. It's a, it's an interesting mechanism that could go a long way, mm. basically. Uh, but let's move on to this to this third topic. Oh, right, Sarah's got a bit.
2: Sorry, just quickly, I wanted to point out that I have been saying for years that climate policy uh, exported through trade agreements is the most is the most rapid way to leverage global change. So uh, just point for me in case this works. If not, they didn't do it right. Um, <laughs> uh, there was something else by Karen. Right, Karen.
0: So these new measures. <clears throat> the uh, UK Citizens' Assembly and the EU Green Deal, are unlikely to slow down grassroots activism. Uh, However, with Fridays for Future Strikes ongoing and recent Extinction Rebellion actions this month, with 185 arrests at a car show in Belgium that involved smearing vehicles with fake blood, and uh, there were also two demonstrations in Norway. A host of protesters also descended on Davos for the World Economic Forum Which paid lip service to sustainability, but did not address the kinds of quick divestments being demanded by activists and the major economic changes recommended by scientists. US President Donald Trump delivered a particularly hideous speech at the conference, in which he represented climate activists as radical socialists who want to eradicate American liberty and perennial prophets of doom who dangle the apocalypse before the masses in order to attain absolute power and domination over every aspect of our lives. The statement was a typically creepy, illogical reversal of the gaslighting mind games he uses on his own populace, with his fear-mongering about caravans of immigrant invaders coming to destroy the country, the Democrats trying to steal an election through impeachment, and the Muslims and Mexicans out to harm American children, all while his government emboldens the police to raid the homes of innocent people, lets would-be refugees die in prisons where children are kept in cages, and hires oil lobbyists to government positions who then sell off American wilderness for oil extraction. On that last point, Trump said the U.S. is, quote, on the threshold of virtually unlimited resources of energy from traditional fuels, LNG, clean coal, nuclear power, and gas hydrate technologies. But also they're, of course, committed to conserving the natural world and also the U.S. is the cleanest it's been over the past 40 years, and has among the cleanest air and drinking water in the world, he said. The Trump administration, however, tried to prevent an important drinking water report in 2018, uh, which estimated that 110 million Americans are contaminated with harmful forever chemicals that cause various health problems. Now, a new report came out on the 22nd of January, which shows that that estimate of how many people are affected is probably way too low. A co-author of the report is quoted in The Guardian as saying that it's nearly impossible to avoid drinking water contaminated with these chemicals in the United States. These are chemicals created through various plastics manufacturing and other things. In addition, uh, Trump's new NAFTA deal, the USMCA, which Canada has agreed to but has yet to ratify, will make it cheaper and easier to develop and sell oil and gas between Canada, the U.S., and Mexico. As well, Dan Garino reports for Inside Climate News that new federal rules are being brought in in the country's largest power grid region that directly subvert subsidies for renewables and nuclear in favor of fossil fuels like coal, which is itself becoming uneconomical. The rules might end up raising the price of electricity for the sole purpose of propping up a dying industry. Garino also reports that Indiana might soon become the third U.S. state to have the government step in to prop up unprofitable coal plants. And finally, David Hasmeyer reports for the same publication that it has come to light that the U.S. Department of Justice gave special treatment to oil companies in 2018 through meetings and email exchanges that they did not grant to the cities of Oakland and San Francisco, who were suing those companies over their role in climate change. The Department of Justice was thus working with oil companies to combat climate change lawsuits.
1: Yeah, there's there was a host of different information there. But I think the the a no one should like Davos is never going to solve a problem. Uh, that is, that is it. That is the only, there's area. no one who attends Davos who has any idea what any of the problems are. Yeah. They don't experience them. They live in an entire fantasy land where they can fly everywhere. Um, you know, the number of planes that show up at Davos talking about climate change. Although I actually, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to make, I'm going to do something I, I hadn't thought about, but I'm going to, I'm going to do something that almost certainly will get us at least one angry email. Hey, it's your uh, turn anyway. Yeah. I, I, Cause I just remembered that this was a speech that happened at Davos and it is bad and needs to be called out. Which is that at Davos, Jane Goodall decided to go on a neo-Malthusian rant, and is emblematic of all of the reasons why climate why climate activism has failed in the past, you know, x y z z years. What did she say?
0: Um,
1: she her point. She made. She made, She basically went out and said none of the problems we'd be having today would ha- be exist if we still had the population we had, you know, 50 to 100 years ago. Mm. Uh, so we shouldn't have invented all that medicine. Yeah, we shouldn't yeah, exactly. We shouldn't have saved all those lives. That was our bad. Um and and it is and like I know that in environment circles Jane Goodall is seen as this saint, you know, and 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 she's a lovely human being. We've met her. She's nice. But like my god, is that a horrendous position to take especially at davos the people you are speaking to are the problem they create more emissions in their lifetimes probably than the rest of the world combined like you're speaking to trillions of dollars of wealth and blaming the people who have nothing for the problem like you it, every environmentalist who doesn't who is who's going to allow that kind of conversation to be the uh, to be at, 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 even honestly even escape their lips, especially at Davos, you know, deserves to be dragged on every radio program you might have access to, namely this one that's why I'm doing it <laughs> um, <laughs> because it was like it is just. You know, and it's this is not about Trump. It's not about anything else. And I, I know I've gone off topic, but I, I just had this memory of this, of this, of this speech, and it was like, this is so emblematic of the problem. The concept that that the that the reason we need to save the chimps uh, is 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 because that there are too many people on this planet, is fundamentally racist. <laughs> And I am not, I'm not saying that Jane Goodall is racist. I am not going to go there, but a comment can be racist without the sure, person being racist. Sure, yeah, and 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 this is fundamental, and it's it's like it is so it buys into such a specific way of trying to get out of the actual pro- point of the problem. You know, the 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 reason we exist in this world that exists today, you know, is not because of the population that exists today. Uh, and the reason that we expand on these type of things, um, uh, you know, the reason that why we we have to deal with what we have to deal with is because, oh, I don't know, the people in that room who invest in Exxon allowed Exxon to lie about it for 40 years. Maybe that's part of the problem. You know, there are – there you just cannot – the 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 rise of Malthusianism, which is what referenced a couple times I've seen in conversations around Davos, is the way that the people who run the country who have. Like, again, in America, 86% of the wealth, 20% of the people, and and, and that's like, and please, that bottom 20%, even the bottom 10% is not going to Davos. These are the, like, these are the richest of the rich. Those people will, they, what serves them most is this argument. There's no argument that serves the most powerful more than the Malthusian argument that is population that is our problem. And to be an environmentalist, to go there and to say that is repugnant.
2: Well, it's also um, it's also feeding ammunition to the disingenuous uh, and crazy and/or crazy uh, right wingers who want to sneer, smear- uh, environmentalists as uh, like the new, uh, I'm going to say geneticists, but uh, world war II. Yeah. As the new eugenicists, which is a thing like that's, that's a thing that's out there. And these types of comments feed that because they take that kind of comment at a clip and out of context and take it the step further and say, look, all these crazy environmentalists want to lock us up. And like it play it's a, it's a crazy, absolutely brain sick like idea, but there's people out there who think that, and comments like this play into that.
1: Well, they, yeah, exactly. Well, and, and then yeah, then the question is like, you know, does Jane Goodall speak for the climate movement? And she does not. But anyways, you know, but so I know that's a bit off topic. But I just it was it was something that that when when it approached me, uh, really led me to some
0: because when people think about population. They think about places like China and India.
1: Well, exactly. Yeah. And, and it's honestly, and it's how you experience the set of people like, you know, like there's a reference article last week um, that was that was published in the Financial Times um, or Financial Post that basically said that Canada had too small of a population to even matter. So we don't have to do anything. You know, it, 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 it totally absolves smaller nations who, might, who often are doing the actual most harm, um, you know, compared to those. Like even the fact that, you know, like to go back to only 5 to 10 percent of people fly, but it's 2.5 percent of global missions. That is that is not Malthusian. like that. That is not population. The people who are not flying are not the problem. And uh, like, so it, anyways, it, it's, it, there's a lot else th- that we want to talk about uh, in regards to stuff that Trump is doing. But that's the thing that really stuck out at me. And, well, I, oh. uh, I recently
0: saw a report, uh, an article on a round-the-world uh, flight uh, vacation that was being offered to wealthy people who could afford it. And it cost around $110,000 apiece. And for every individual going was producing three gigatons of carbon emissions <laughs> just for this 25-day around-the-world uh, plane trip. So they're stopping everywhere, just witnessing these uh, beautiful places, whether they're hanging out with mountain gorillas or seeing ancient temples. Uh, yeah,
2: but Greta Thunberg took a plane once. <laughs> and,
0: <laughs> and they're just flying over our heads, re- 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 uh, producing all these emissions. Yeah. And it's a very small number of people.
1: Yeah. But anyways, let's uh, let's go to the next music break. Oh, we got two more stories, and I promise to not yell, but Jane Goodall again.
2: All right. This is What Do I Have to Do? Once more with Crystal Shawanda. All right, welcome back. You're listening to The Green Majority. I just wanted to do that transfer back uh, here before I be quiet for a few minutes just cuz I was just thinking like that's really like uplifting sounding music, but boy, it just does not go with our content. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so, perhaps you you now know that Crystal Shwanda is a Canadian Indigenous musician, a musician who deserves your support. Maybe I won't play her again on such a heavy show anyway. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do some, it on
1: we'll one light. Yeah, we'll we'll make sure we lead up to
2: something happening. We'll have some, you know what? We'll have Tim on. That's a Tim Nash song. There we go. Okay. All right, back to you guys. Yeah.
0: I don't know," she said. Uh, "I hear what you're not saying,
2: so mm.
1: that's true. That's it's like, uh, that, honestly, yeah, we're talking. We're talking a lot about how, what we're not saying on the show. So I was
2: thinking more from the point of view of like false advertising. Like if somebody just tuned in during the break, they're right. like, oh, oh,
1: yeah, right, yeah, they're, they get stoked about the music, and then then we come on. We're sorry, everybody, uh, but we got fossil fuel lawsuits. Is that fun?
0: So um, we'll turn to a series of articles from ICN about various court rulings in the U.S. Firstly, the the Juliana case, which involves 10 children suing the federal government over its inaction on climate change, was dismissed by a federal appeals court. The court uh, ruled that it was beyond their constitutional power to force the government to address their concerns, and that their case for climate redress should be presented to political branches of government. One of the kid's lawyers, uh, Julia Olson, said, quote, the court recognized that climate change is exponentially increasing and that the federal government has long known that its actions substantially contribute to the climate crisis. Yet two of the judges on the panel refused to set the standard for redressing the constitutional violation to protect our nation's children. The case was brought in in 2015, and wanted to order the government to cease fossil fuel development, and quickly cut the country's emissions, and to establish a constitutional right to a stable climate. They are expected to appeal to the Ninth Circuit. On December 20th last year, the ju- a judge in Montana refused to dismiss a case arguing that Trump violated treaty rights, as well as the Constitution. When he gave a permit to TC Energy to build Keystone XL, and the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe, the state of South Dakota, and other tribes are suing the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers and Dakota Access for forcing the pipeline through without consulting them, even as the company now wants to double the capacity of the pipeline. And a Washington court has recently prevented Jay Inslee's attempt to use the Clean Air Act to put a cap on how much fuel could be sold by gas stations and how much natural gas could be distributed by utilities. The court decided that the Clean Air Act could not be made to apply to indirect emitters. Inslee says the ruling will significantly affect the state's ability to reduce emissions.
1: Yeah, so I, these are fascinating cases, and I'm I'm consistently. I I do wish. I kind of want to actually spend a bit of time to go back because we covered a story where where a successful lawsuit came about in in, I believe Denmark, Um, Mm. and and I I, what I don't entirely understand like the one the 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 last one about trying to use the Clean Air Act or Clean, Clean Air Act to. To regulatory emissions, uh, indirect emissions is an interesting one, and that sort of is more separate because that's sort of clearly a uh, an attempt to use particular laws to do a certain thing. But the lawsuits, to me, speak as um, uh, are always interesting because I, I actually don't know exactly how they would be followed through on. Um, in in the same way, you know, pre, in the same way that you know when you get the say the, part of the reason why I'm not really uh, I'm not really going to comment too much on the UK Citizens Assembly is because what they eventually say that should happen is is is, is in no way guaranteed to happen, right? There, there's a level of this, there's a level of this, what happens when you sue the government and win and the government still doesn't do anything? There's this sort of, as you, you get into this crisis of actual who has power to do what, and how is anyone actually going to act, and, and does it, the way you particularly act ends up getting somewhere else? And what it leaves me to sort of feel is that while I think these are good tactics to push for change, and while I definitely think that tactics like suing oil companies um, is a, uh, especially for those, especially in times when they've you know put out disinformation, um, is 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 a valuable uh, effort in in the, in the cause. I, the actual transformative change has to come, I think, from a transformative. Uh, ground-up, citizen-supported er, swell of, of, of political will um, towards a truly different future. Because I do think that a lot of these other... Because th- these types of things don't actually have the power to do much more than trim, again, once again, trim the edges of, 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 the, of some of the worst parts. But they're not going to get us to the actual transformative change that we really actually desperately need uh, because they just don't have that kind of power. And so... They're they they're they're useful I think from a standpoint of, of pushing forward but I but I really think that like they, they can't they they can't be they can't be seen as the as the main tact the main tact has to be building ground swelling of support um, and uh, and moving on moving on that issue forward. Uh, I will quickly. Uh, and speaking of which, I wanted to give a shout out to this earlier. But in case you have, uh, in case you have time off, in case you're listening and somehow are very close to Queens Park, uh, the, there is a Reject Tech rally occurring at Queens Park in eight minutes now. So as soon as this show ends at twelve, uh, Queens Park will have it will, be, it will be there will be a Reject Tech rally starting in that space uh, in eight minutes. So trying to
0: influence the government to, to reject, reject the, the tech the frontier mine yeah. being proposed for the
1: tar sands exactly yeah. another mine that is that has come out with a, with a, with a hilarious set of disinformation around it as well which I won't get into right now but um but yes, that's also important. And if you want to see what uh, is going on uh, in the in the rally we mentioned earlier with Lorna Tours on, uh, she has taken over Instagram. So our Instagrams will be talk- talking about that as well. Uh,
2: sorry, really quickly, um, I, the as breaking news, I guess. Uh, Reuters is re- reporting uh, uh, from, uh, it's minor, but I thought it was interesting and worth mentioning sure. that uh, uh, Donald Trump was quoted as saying, because uh, he obviously was you know, saying very terrible things about Greta uh, before, uh, so asked, uh, now apparently asked about her at the end. The uh, thing, so uh, he basically said it was a lot more calm and said, "Oh, I would have loved to hear her talk." So, but but like put this through Trump, right? So he's Uh. decided not to make an enemy of her today. (laughs) Uh, But more importantly, he said he was asked if he thought climate change was still a hoax, and his answer was, "No, not at all." So that sort of Trumpian over the topness, saying that climate change was not a hoax. Now, does that mean he's suddenly going to do anything about it? Absolutely not. But it's interesting because he's always keen of only one thing and that is uh, messaging and optics. And the fact that he thinks that it's currently to his advantage for whatever reason to say that climate change is real is interesting. I don't think it's noteworthy, but it's interesting. Yeah, that's fair.
0: Um, I would have loved to hear a talk. But also, she's a radical socialist that wants to control everybody's life.
1: Yes,
2: but yeah. oh, would have been so nice to hear her speak. But, but he, he was specifically asked within, with reference to his earlier comments, right, and right. his response to being his attention drawn to his earlier comments was, "I would have liked to hear her speak." Right. And climate change is not a hoax. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. We'll we'll follow that if it goes anywhere. I doubt it.
1: <laughs> and he's also getting impeached today, uh, or not. But anyways, um, the let's we do have one more story I want to make sure we at least uh, talk about. So let's get to this little <laughs> renewables one. So the Guardian is reporting that tech giants like
0: Google have contributed to a surge in renewable electricity, describing a new report that shows uh, that tech firms bought close to 25% of all renewable energy sold to international corporations in 2019. Of course, these tech companies are also funding climate denial in some cases, And YouTube is facilitating uh, the funding of climate misinformation by putting ads of major brands before misleading videos about climate change, which is probably a euphemism, since more than likely many of these videos are extremely bratty white people ranting about cuckolded scientists and the sexual histories of British protesters. (laughs) In California, however, a new law took effect this year, which requires each new house to feature rooftop solar. Microsoft has also pledged to go carbon negative. Uh, which means that by 2030, it will remove more carbon from the atmosphere than it puts in, and Arizona's largest utility has pledged to be carbon-free by 2050.
1: Yeah, so I I, I want to, a I, this is an interesting story because of the, the the story itself actually in The Guardian is about how fast uh, some energy some renewable energy is growing and it is largely due to this purchasing of from these tech giants um, but I also wanted to flame frame it in a stat that I'm not in none of this uh, is saying that these tech giants are going to save us <laughs> that is not the, I think
2: I'm the resident uh, I think without a doubt I'm yeah. the resident tech defender here yes also agree I, <laughs> right. in fact what I wanted to add just because well, I already interrupted you really quickly was how much total power did they buy? They did the large, they're mass- one of the largest companies on earth, right? So just putting out the number that they, they had the largest share of renewable energy. Well, how much energy did you buy? Right. It's really easy to be the biggest at stuff when you're already, when you have the biggest footprint. So just like calm down with those numbers.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, 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 but I do think it's also important when, cause I was in a, I was in a conversation earlier this week where we were talking about um the need to electrify everything and the, and the need and also the concept around we're specifically talking about the idea of access and ownership versus ownership and and how we as a society has very much have we've accepted interestingly the idea that access can equal ownership so the idea that you can access something whenever you like is the same is as as good as ownership if not better in some scenarios specifically speaking right now music streaming and video streaming we've 100% accepted that accessing netflix is as good if not better than owning dvds we have made that societal decision or at least
2: most society has in the same way that we've done with music and but that's because on netflix and other streaming services there's no get there's no gating of access right right unlike these other things right it's it's socialist those mm-hmm. systems that work are entirely purely 100 percent socialist
1: well like as once you get to the, like access to them.
2: everybody gets exactly the same socialism
1: <laughs> Once you once you sign on, yes, like it's still you still to actually pay for the thing. But I see it's a it's a socialist system. That is my point, right? Right. Is your it's a service that operates on socialism. It's not a joke. It's literal, right? Um, but but it was, but what's interesting about that is so as I was making that point in the in this in this conversation, the response was yes, but data centers are really you know are are, are still a big problem, and it's true. Don't get me wrong. Uh, data centers are 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 huge huge sucks of power, but they are also actually the places that are very that are much more easily powered by uh, by renewables because they're all power in one place, and so a lot of what you're probably seeing this renewable energy surge from tech companies is to power their data centers because they can control the power and they can sure that that power is, is, is more green, so they can actually keep themselves in a, in, a, in a state of, they can sort of keep themselves in the social graces a little bit. But I think that is, and so, what but it's important because as we move forward and tr- with this concept of access ownership, and more things become, um, you know, electrified, uh, and and more things you ha- like and and if someone wants like there was an article recently trying to you know basically be like you watching Netflix is just as bad as driving a car no it's not <laughs> like you driving Netflix you, you 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 watching a Netflix thing which goes to a data center is yes there's a lot of energy there but that is a system that can be dealt with that can remove that, that does not necessarily have to be a, have to have fossil fuels in there
2: you're also staying at home probably eating your own food instead of driving to a theater like yeah if you're gonna play that game you have to Full cost to count it.
1: Well, exactly. And which is not done. Um, and and like, and every ounce of actual fossil fuels released in the atmosphere is an actual thing that we're never getting back. And so there's a difference there. And I just think it's necessary to note.
0: If you're watching Netflix, you're also supporting the banalized cultural framework of mind, which allows our genocide to continue.
1: You really don't like Netflix or mainstream media, I'm aware. Uh, however, we are out of time. Uh, so we'll go to a music break or not music break at the end of the show. Uh, thanks so much for everyone. Have a great week and see you real soon.